Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Dakota Barnathan, welcome to Footwork. What's up, guys? Uh, much glad to have you on. Ready. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we uh, second second Massapequan in a row. Just had Dylan Niels on. I know. I saw. Let's go. Yeah, let's uh, strong uh, strong yeah, strong, island, island, strong right now. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are putting in some work lately. Yeah, you know, we got Mister Vidiello <laughs> off to an Open Cup final. Yeah, that's unreal. That's crazy. That's insane. Sacramento Republic. Awesome. Yeah. We got to get him on. Honestly, we'll put him on the list. Right. Exactly. You what a career. <laughs> this podcast is just going to turn into like one what big alumni. Yeah. Just hey, a little Massive alumni. People alumni fan. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, so, yeah, Dakota, we have a, a motto that we like to start off with each podcast. It's make your own path. Essentially, yeah. you know, following your dreams. You're not held to the normal route if it doesn't fulfill you. So so for you, what does that mean? What does make your own path mean? Um, I think for me, like that's kind of always started, like that started out ever since I was a kid. Um, you know, I did bounce around teams when I was, uh, even just in the youth academies and stuff like that, just trying to find the best way to develop and the best way for me to get to the next level, to get a scholarship. And then from a scholarship to, you know, follow my dreams to play pro soccer. Um, I think what it means to me is just going after it. I think when it comes down to it you have to have that willingness to you know put some like people pride ego aside and lay it down and put in the work to get to that next step that you're trying to achieve i think uh yeah i think that's it for me i think when it comes to it, you have to try to just give everything you got to get to that next level and i think that's what i've done here in my career even since i was a kid that's brilliant and for those that don't know you I want to give them a little sneak peek or at least some background before we dive into deeper topics. Um, could you give us a little, a shortened narrated movie trailer to your career and life up to this point? Yeah. Kind of piggybacking um, off that previous question. Yes. I'm 27 years old right now from Mass Pupa, New York. Uh, grew up playing pretty much all over Long Island from Albertson to Gachi, New York Cosmos. Did my four years at Virginia Commonwealth University down in Richmond, Virginia. And then for the past six years, I've just been playing in the USL between League One and the championship. Uh, I think right now I'm in a good situation with the Richmond Kickers. Finally found a place that's, I think, you know, it does feel like home. I spent four years here. So for me, being back in a city I'm comfortable with is everything that I could ask for. And how is that being yeah, back, let's, in, let's... You know, back to where I... you spent your university and... It's really like everything I could have asked for. I, I was a bit hesitant, honestly, before uh, coming down here because I didn't know how it was going to be. Obviously, I have some friends and some network here, but wasn't really sure how that, you know, coming back to a place was going to feel like. But it's really been everything I could have asked for. It's been a brilliant setup. The kickers are I mean, one of the oldest football clubs in America. Um so for me to be part of an organization and represent the city on a professional levels has been an amazing experience for me thus far. 
How is the season going for you personally and for the team? Um, personally, it's been going well, man. I think uh, it's been one of my, over the past two years, probably like my strongest body of work uh, throughout an, ex an extended season in probably a couple of years. So it's been great for me personally and the team. We're doing well. I think, you know, we've, we're in second place right now. And I think that's something that uh, we've got a little bit of a chip on our shoulders about because I think first place is where we know where we should be. Um, we've kind of let maybe a game or two slip here and there when we've, you know, dominated possession, dominated the attack in the final third and haven't really gotten the results. But then again, we've, we've also snuck out a couple. So maybe it is exactly where we should be for now. But, you know, I think we got eight or nine games left. And pushing forward through that is that's the final chapter of the season. Push through here and see if we can get a nice little buy in a home game at City Stadium. Mm. And what do you think has led to you, um, you know, having personally the best season this year and in a few seasons? Um, I, I, I do owe a lot of it to just, uh, I'd say, being comfortable again. You know, you, you bounce around from city to city by the time you're even, you know, comfortable, you know, the roads and you know what you're doing, you're meeting people off the field, like you're getting ready to either leave or you're maybe coming back. So for me, being in a city again where I wasn't re I wasn't learning things for the first time, I was able to just kind of smooth in, get right in and just get to work. I wasn't, you know, having to think about the things outside of football that sometimes are a little bit more strenuous and, you know, things that you don't have to spend that much time on with your mentals. So for me, it's yeah. just, been, I've been able to focus just on footy and that's been the best, probably one of the reasons why I've been able to put together uh, my better, a better body of work throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to kind of dive deeper into that. I mean, it's such a thing bouncing around cities is always, you have to rip off that bandaid and, you know, find the places you need to be. You need to kind of learn that new culture, the new team, the new city, yeah. all of that. So, I mean, just touching on some of the experiences you had, I mean, settling into a new team, new city, new cultures and environments and finding your role in a team. How have you kind of, you know, leveraged that and, and, and handled those situations? I think by year five or six, it gets a little bit easier, but you know, those the first couple of years are a bit, uh, a bit stressful. I was fortunate my rookie year to have had a roommate who I went to college with, uh, Carlton Belmar. Um, he was at Swope. I got released from Dallas after being drafted there. And, uh, that, that, that night I was in Carlton's apartment and he was my roommate for the year. So it was an easy transition. Somebody who had two or three years, a professional experience already under their belt. He was able to kind of show me the ropes on, you know, kind of how to act as a professional. And I wasn't going off just a drawing board of, okay, like just figure it out. So that mm -hmm. helped a lot my first year. And, and then, you know, your second year, you bounce back, you expect some things to happen that, you know, maybe don't. And then you're going to a new team at the end of the year, injuries, whatnot, like, but I think for me over the years, it's just been, how can I, you know, involve myself in the team as much as possible, just in the locker room, just with guys on the team off the field. Uh, the better you do that, I think it makes your life easier just on the field.
because you're you're happier going to the field you know you have those allies just even in the locker room that you know if you're not having a great day somebody else will pick you up or even a text message you know saying something along the lines of hey just keep going is means the world and sometimes when you put yourself in situations in different locker rooms you might not have that yeah so for me i think that's kind of been my my motto is just been going into it and just trying to get myself involved with guys on the team as much as possible. Is that something you picked up when you first jumped in the professional game or you've always had this, you know, throughout college, or even as a kid when you were training with Albertson and Gachi going out um, of town? I think to it's meet- something I've more picked up as I've been pro. I think uh, as funny as it is, like usually you have that kind of from the youth side, but, and then as you turn pro, it's a little bit more, uh, you're a little bit more by yourself when you're a pro, you know, it is your job, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not anybody else's job. It's your job to then provide food on the table and stuff like that. But I think for me, it's just helped also keep that like little bit of not, I don't want to say joy, but that little bit of youth to it, a little bit of that youth Academy type feel that, uh, that it is still a game that it is still something that you do love to do and that you are here because you do love the sport. So I think that's been, you know, the people you surround yourself with are pretty much are how you're going to feel on a daily basis. So if I was able to, you know, get myself into a good group of the guys on the team, I knew that it was probably going to end up being like a pretty decent year for myself. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great topic too. I'm always fascinated to hear what people have to say because I think when we were all younger, this fantasy of becoming a professional soccer player, you know, has really kind of taken over our mindsets. And it's amazing when you get there, it also becomes a thing like, oh, this is a job. And it takes a little bit of a switch mentally. And you kind of mentioned it. Is it something that you dealt with a lot at first or how did you kind of handle this? I'd say probably not until my after my second year going into that off season, uh, that's kind of when I really realized like, Oh wow, this is a job, you know? Cause it was uh, not for me, it was pretty smooth. Like I signed a pre-contract before the uh, draft with Swope a week after I had just finished playing soccer in college. So like for me, like I knew I wasn't worrying about December, January or anything like that. Like I was done in November. I already knew that I was going to be playing professional soccer um had a good year my rookie year went to the usl championship final got brought back second year in and out of the lineup first team guys getting dropped down had to have surgery at the end of the year not going back to swope or kansas city and then then it hits it's like okay well now what you know i had a good rookie year but i was in and out of the lineup the second year and now i also was coming off of an injury what am i going to do now you know, where is that next paycheck coming from? Where is that next job coming from? How am I going to be able to get on a team? And I'd say probably like, it's funny because even young guys on the team, are like, oh, I can't wait for off season and stuff like that. I'm like, you guys have no idea what it's like. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if you're freaking uh, whatever, a U18 product, youth, youth national team product, everything's good and gravy for you guys. But yeah, you know, it's not like that for everybody, especially when you start to get a little bit older and stuff like that. So for me, those off seasons, that first off season where I kind of didn't have a clue on what was going to happen. That was when I really realized like, wow, this is 
this is a job and I need to figure out what I'm going to do to get that next paycheck. Yeah. Did you ever envision that you would be moving around the country so much when you thought of, oh, I want to be a professional player? Uh, no, I don't think I, I was really prepared for all of the moves. I don't mind it. I like moving around. I don't I don't really mind that fact, but I don't think I was prepared. No, I think I kind of thought like ah, three or four teams, 10 years. That'll be good. Not five and six. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, a yeah, little, it's a little I, different that way. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that's the the turnover in the league is just it's crazy. I think at one point it was something like 78 percent or something like that turnover. So. Mm-hmm the rate in which players are going in and out of teams is it's pretty much on an absurd level, but now you're starting to see teams like the Louisville and the Tampa's and stuff like that, who are retaining players and are retaining a high majority of their rosters and they're reaping the benefits of that through a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So I think you're starting to see if you can, you know, if you can build a team for two or three years, you can have a run at a title. Yeah. And yeah, it makes sense not just roster flipping year year after year hoping and just you know throwing paint at the wall seeing whatever sticks yeah it seems it seems like a lot of one-year contracts am i right where it's you know guys are on a one-year trial basically yeah i'd say majority of the league is on one and ones one year Mm -hmm. you know you have a good year you're getting brought back you don't all right thank you very much for for the options that's just in the team's court, right? That's completely oh, yeah. on their decision based on how you did? Most of, I'd say, like, probably like 90% of the time. Yeah, it's mostly up to the But team. say you did say you did really well in the season. They want to bring you back, but, you know, now you just did really well and now your your stock is higher. Do you have to take it if they, if they pick um, up that option? I'd say it just depends on the team. I'd say it depends gotcha. on the team, depends on their board, depends on the coach, like... Most of the time, I'd say here in America, if you don't want to be here, they're not going to force you to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're no good to them just as much as you don't want to be there. They're, it's just not, it wouldn't be a, a good relationship going into that year. Mm-hmm. So if they could find a way to get something for you after picking up your option, yeah, they're going to do that. But if it turns out that they can't, you know, numbers aren't adding up, I'd say most of the time they they just kind of let you, especially if it's a step up, not so much maybe like a step across. Uh, yeah. It's a step up. Five I'd say majority something. of the times they'll they probably won't hold you back. Hmm. And what do what do you think leads to the that there's very few clubs in the USL and USL League One that retain their players and kind of just try and build on every season to get better and better? Why they're just getting rid of all their players and bringing in new ones and kind of hoping to have success. Do they have any long-term vision in your experience or talking with players that, you know? Yeah, just, I don't, I I think there's, I think that's a good way to put it is their long-term vision. Um, I, I don't think many clubs are operating on the fact that um, they can put together a strong team over two and three years. That's, most teams operate at a loss to begin with. So if, um, you know, they can get guys in for the cheap. If they can get guys straight out of college on cheaper contracts, I think that's what leads teams to do some of this turnover. 
um i'm not on any board or anything like that but that's kind of my two cents is like mm-hmm. you know if you can get guys for the cheap you're they're gonna do it and you know yeah. after two or three years and probably putting together a decent body of work having played for a team having you know maybe 40 plus games over two seasons um you know you're probably going to want a little bit of a bigger paycheck than they're willing to offer yeah no that makes total sense you're not on the board but you are part of a players association um and we kind of spoke off camera a little bit about um hopefully coming to a little bit of a collective bargaining agreement and such so could you just speak on your role there and you know how things are playing out um my role is just to you know get the guy get the information from the guys in the locker room and bring it to the guys who are helping negotiate um on behalf of the players and on behalf of the league uh i think right now we're trending in a positive direction and that hopefully we can get a collective bargaining agreement you know signed and ratified by hopefully the end of the year but it is a bit of a process you know we players want things that the league isn't willing to give up. The league wants things that players aren't willing to give up. So it is a meeting in the middle. And like I said, I think it's trending in a positive direction just from my point of view right now. And my role is to just kind of navigate both sides of that, you know, bring the, bring what the players want to the league and vice versa and see what the league says and bring that back to the locker room and see what guys in the locker room have to say about it. You also have a really interesting perspective on this because you've been in the USL League since 2017, and it's kind of in a very transitional phase right now where it's really growing rapidly. I also hear the chatter in in Europe is that the leagues are getting better and better there. What have you seen personally um, from both leagues, how they've changed since you first started? Yeah, I mean, just for me, like I remember when I was uh, coming in, I was in college and I was going out to Portland 23s um, and just seeing like USL then. And I was like, like, is this really a league or is this just summer ball 2.0 or what's going on here? Because you didn't really know. Like from 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 an outsider's point of view, you kind of looked at it like, is this pro? It is it is pro. Mm -hmm. Is it pro? And over my years, the transition's been it's been crazy to see. I mean, you got Louisville building a massive stadium on, you know, a crazy budget. So it's, it's really like, it's empowering. I'd say for the youth that there are leagues that, you know, MLS, if you don't get to MLS, there are leagues that are sustainable and that are growing and that, you know, you're drawing in, I mean, kickers would draw in probably about 5,000 fans a game. So I think, uh, yeah, it's 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 great to see. I think the the growth, everybody, every board, every president of the club, they're shooting for 2026. What can we do by 2026 so that when the United States hosts the World Cup, that we skyrocket to the moon after that? What can we do now to set ourselves up for the biggest possible, you know, event to happen in the United States in quite some time? So mm. they're really all building and they're going to pick you back off of that hopeful success of the United States team and just hosting the world cup. Yeah. Yeah. You saw it back in, I mean, we didn't see it, but you kind of saw the, the effects afterwards in 94 when the yeah. U S hosted the world cup, there was a skyrocket in well, youth participation in sports and then clubs and a bit in the MLS too. 
Um, what about this this introduction of MLS Next and its role with USL? You know, it seems like USL and MLS work together, but now there might be some bit more of competition where MLS is trying to have their own pathway. I mean, I, I don't know how how yeah, much you I'd say, I'd say get into these things. But... Uh, I definitely say just put a wedge between the two leagues. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, consider League One had what New England Revolution two, Miami two last year, maybe a couple others, like just second teams in there, and so then all of a sudden they're MLS next, and they're not involved in USL at all. Um, I think it's a decent pathway, although I I think over my time of playing that games that matter help young players. So if you're playing in, you know, yeah, the games matter. They go for a cup at the end of the year. But, you know, you're not the the day in and the day out competition of, you know, we're going for a title, I don't think is necessarily implemented in the mm-hmm. minds of some of those youth players. Where I think, for me, that's super beneficial to have young players know the responsibility from an early age that, you know, you're on a team, your personal success matters, but at the end of the day, like the club winning titles is what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you'll get that same type of feel from MLS next, but you know, they're just trying to get 15, 16 year old signed off and sent to Europe, you know, that's, yeah, that's the yeah. I mean, yeah. And yeah. you know, it's business. Look at, look at the Dortmunds mm-hmm. of the world. Like, you know, if mm-hmm. they could bring in a 16, 17-year-old and ship them off for $100 million, they're going to do that 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. You know, we might not be playing with those exact numbers here in America, but we've had some pretty decent youth products, you know, go for some big-time dollars over the past yeah, F- years. FC Dallas is raking in some cash these yeah. days. It seems like every year they, they, they seem to... Yeah, there's a new one. Yeah, there's a new player. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I mean, dude, when I was there for preseason, that they just... they they've got that thing down like a well-oiled machine. Mm. You got it. Yes. I mean, 16, uh, uh, U18 kids training with the first team every day. That's, I think that's so crucial. I mean, even to bring back to the point where you said about players need to know like how to win. I think that's something that Sean and I definitely found was a little bit different in, in Germany was just like, yeah, maybe they don't always have the same technical ability or one team might not have the technical ability or the speed or the athleticism or even the skill of another team but if they know how to win just from a mentality standpoint yeah. a tactical standpoint just quick fixes it, during it, a game it's, it's another way to separate yourself from the, the player you know most guys at this level have a good touch most guys at this level can bring the ball down with their chest and make a pass and hit a diagonal but what what's the what are the little things that separate you? Are are you like are you a mentality like killer like Klopp says? Like mm. do you have that mm. in you from an early age? Like look at the Luis Diaz guy. That guy was doing doggies all over the field when they were down a man against Crystal Palace. I was like, this is That's so true. If you're a young player right now, this is exactly who you should be watching. I'm like, the guy is an absolute dog offensively, defensively, and he's willing to do everything for the badge. And and he will reap benefits because of that. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that has kind of been lost in maybe the generations the past maybe like five to ten years is that, you know, it has become a very egocentric sport 
where in reality, like if, if you do write for the club and for the badge, for the city, like you're going to reap the success and the benefits that you do deserve. It's a superstar generation, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah, have, have exactly, yeah. just look at Mbappe. And uh, I mean, I last night was all harmony, but Mbappe, you know, oh, walking off we, the field, basically. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, yeah, the guy runs the club. It's crazy. <laughs> the runs the club. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see, like, you know, it's, it's good in some sense, you know, like give the power mm-hmm. to the players, but at the same time, it's like, it's kind of not really what you've been brought up to do since you were old, four years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How much power? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you mentioned the FC Dallas. You got drafted by them, but they didn't wind up picking you up. Walk us through, um, first off, getting drafted by them and then going into preseason. Um, and a lot of our European listeners here, getting drafted is it's like an invitation to, it's like a trial. Yeah, it's an invitation it's, to trial. Right. right. Um, I'd say, unless you're probably like one of the first 10 picks in the draft, it's mm-hmm. an invitation to trial. Um, I was, it was a great experience for me. I, I really had like, that's kind of where my eyes first went like wide. I was like, wow, this is, this is the next level. This is how, what it's, what it takes on a daily basis. You're doing two a days pretty much right away. So you're in the thick of it from day one. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to, you know, make it past probably that first little like couple of weeks. Um, and then I was there for probably like two and a half months. And then uh, we went to Argentina for like 12, 14 days and played some teams down there, which was unbelievable. Lucky enough, we got to play a lot of their first teams because they were in the middle of a television strike. So they were still, you know, they were starting their season a little bit later to get all of that sorted. So we were able to play a lot of the first team guys, which was just a crazy experience. And then, uh, yeah, after a 14-hour flight, from Buenos Aires to Dallas, I get off the plane. Coach says, "Can I speak with you?" I said, "Yes, absolutely." He says, "Yeah, we're gonna let you go. Um, you're gonna go to Oklahoma City because that's our affiliate." I said, "I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I already have a pre-contract with Swope that if this didn't work out, I'm going there." And there was about a couple hours there of people saying, "We didn't know this. How didn't you know this? Mix and match with." you know, agents telling some things, leaving some things out. So yeah, by five o'clock that night, I was in Kansas city, but it, it was a wow. great experience. Yeah. 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 Very quick. a quick very, turn of events. Yeah, yeah. Quick turnaround. 6.15 in the morning landed from Argentina, an hour of, you know, figuring stuff out over the phone. Like what's going on? Am I going to OKC or am I going to Swope um, exit medical flight in Kansas city? Wow. I guess that's kind of your first taste of the uh, the politics and the bureaucracy of the game too, though. It's like it's a yeah. real learning learning it's, introduction. It's there. Definitely, yeah. The learning curve is pretty exponential, I'd say. And you <laughs> yeah. just gotta strap on and just say, "All right, I'm in it. Yeah. Let's just rock yeah. with it from here." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speak speaking of that learning process, I mean, you spend a lot of time with the the first team and on these trips as well. Yeah. What was some of the big switches that you saw, like? okay, I, I need to work. I need to improve this. This is the standard. Uh, yeah, I'd say just like the little details and the finite things of the game, you know, body positioning, like always being on point with being prepared for that next move. For what what are you doing 
to set yourself up so that you're anticipating and you're not reacting. Cause at that level, that, that split second is the difference. It's not so much, Oh, cause yeah, 90% of the guys throughout all three of these leagues can hit a diagonal, can, you know, win a header, can dribble past two or three people, but it's the, that little split second of the decision-making of, am I going or am I staying? Am I, am I playing the ball through or am I keeping it? And I'd say that's where I really realized for the first time, like those little decisions are what add up into making uh, an elite level player. Right. And I want to touch on too that, that stuff behind the scenes, like you said, with the OKC and swoop, you made a move to Ottawa after your, your first year or your second year at swoop. And then the season ended and some more chaos ensued. Oh, I yeah. mean, um, so yeah, walk us so through that. I was fortunate to for Ottawa Fury, who the head coach there was my rookie year head coach, uh, Nikola Popovich. Um, he gave me a call like January. He's like, hey, I thought you're going back to Kansas City. I'm like, well, why did you think I was going back to Kansas City? <laughs> um, so, yeah, just, you know, stuff with agents. You never really know. It's I'm not here to bash on agents, but, you know, you never know what's going on behind yeah. closed doors yeah. and, and what mm-hmm. they're saying to certain people. Um, so he calls me personally, says, I'd love for you to come here. I said, great, let's get it done. Um, we have a good year, make playoffs, uh, sit down with the GM at the end of the year, sign my, uh, option contract. Everything's all good and gravy. All under assumption that okay, well we've already just signed our option year contracts. Like surely everything's good to go. Um, and then yeah, he pretty much just um, all of these contracts are pretty much null and void. Uh, there might be a team next year here in Ottawa, but uh, it's probably going on by people outside of our organization. So then he's back to the drawing board and saying, what's going on for next year? Yeah. yeah so what, what is, what is, what's the yeah. next step in that situation? Yeah, so I mean, what do you do? You're back to free agency, you know, back mm. to looking for a team, back to finding that next step. And, you know, all of a sudden, instead of maybe, you know, five, six, seven guys on your team looking for a team, it's 18, 19, 20. And it's, you know, the market's a little bit, you know, oversaturated with guys. From a little flooded, yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it was, it was a funny experience, honestly, because, you know, you're sitting there with your friends on the team and you're saying, oh, like, everything's fine. Did right, your option get picked up? Yeah, I'll be back here next year. You want to be roommates, blah, 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 into, yeah, listen, yeah, you're going to need to find a new club. We're done here. <laughs> I could see though, like being surrounded by everyone who's experiencing the same thing. I could see how that can be yeah, funny. Definitely it could be funny just, in hindsight, yeah, at least. I, I think at that point, there's not really like any way to look at it because you can't, you can't control it. You're not going to tell them, oh, yeah. yeah what can no, you do? You can't, you can't sell the club. Like we've already signed the contracts. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to buy the club. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not happening. So the only thing you can do is you can just take it on the chin, pick yourself up yeah. and say, all right, off to, off to free agency. I go again. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, what about this? It, I mean, because it, it was tough because I was looking forward to it. I I, I loved Ottawa. Oh, I bet Canada is a great great country. Ottawa is a great city. Um, I had a good year there, so I was I was very much looking forward to a second year there. So it was disappointing in that aspect, but mm-hmm. yeah, everything happens. Everybody's got their own path, and these things happen for a reason. Exactly. I guess I guess that point even more than the others. I mean, you've had some one year contracts too, but this level of uncertainty has got to be tough throughout the years. I mean, when going into those, those, I guess those meetings or those time periods when the, the discussion of an option is coming up, what are those feelings like? Because I mean, throughout the year you're working for that next contract really. So, I mean, what is that uncertainty like for you? Yeah, I'd say it's the, like, it's the stability or I should say the lack thereof stability. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably the most strenuous on your mind. Um, you know, you, you see it very early and I, I saw it very early from my rookie year that as soon as it comes to be this time period now, late August, early September, you know, half your team's probably not coming back. Uh, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but half your team's not coming back. So it comes down to what are, what are, what are those guys' mentalities like going into a final stretch of the season? Are they bought in? Are they willing to give, you know, that little extra effort for the team? Or are they really kind of just trying to figure out their own next step? Which you can't really blame them for either because, you know, it is their job. Some people do have families in, in the leagues and stuff like that. So people have priorities that they have to think about first. Um, but for me, it was just... I think just the the lack of stability is something that, you know, hopefully through this players association that we can gain a little bit more traction on that end. And, you know, maybe that, maybe these, maybe there are more player options. Maybe it's not just up to the team if you come back or not. Maybe there can be like a meeting of the minds of saying, okay, you want me back. I want to be back. Let's sort this out mm-hmm. in a proper way. Um Maybe that is, you know, two year plus one. I haven't seen many of those, but, you know, they do exist. It's not like they don't exist in the league. It's just, I'd say, with ownership and the turnover, it's tougher to get those types of contracts. Was there ever a thought during um, during that time to maybe leave the country and go somewhere else? Yeah, so it's, it's funny you say that. that um I had an opportunity to go to a team in the Pepsi league uh, in Iceland this past year. Um, But, you know, for one reason or another, it didn't end up working out. And, uh, you know, it's, I think for me, like it it was kind of tough to put my trust in a, uh, an agent one, I didn't really know in terms of getting me over there. And then two, what the background of all of it was. Um, I had some friends play there. So I got a little bit of uh, some tips and advice. Some people were telling me some strange things about the guy that I was talking to in terms of the agent, something, somebody, some people were telling me, oh yeah, he's fine. He's good to go. Um, So it kind of left me a little bit, you know, floating in the middle of like, is this the right next step? Do I trust this guy? Is this something that I should do? for one reason or another, it didn't end up working out regardless. But uh, yeah, it's it's always been something I've thought about. I mean, Sean, you know, like I've always wanted to play in Europe. That's always probably been yeah. like the end goal destination. Uh, but 
I think for me, it just, it hasn't been like readily available or it hasn't been for me the, the right step yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think it's important that it has to be the, the right step too. It has right. to be the right opportunity. Yeah. And I, I think I've, I learned that in going to from Ottawa to Pittsburgh where, um, you know, Pittsburgh had just won the East. I was thinking, yeah, they, why, like, why not go to the best team in the East? You know, it could be a great situation go win some titles, hopefully do some stuff like win some more games, go to playoffs. And then it just, you know, he wanted me. He didn't really want me. We, you know, then COVID hit. We are out of the team. You're not, you're away from the team for three, four months. And then you got a 16 game ripper of a season and the season was over. Um, So I, I don't know if Pittsburgh was probably the best next step. So that's why for me, like, maybe taking that risk and going to Iceland when some things weren't really adding up in my own mind, wasn't the best next step for myself. Mm. But it's just things that you got to learn from like your experience, like things that you've, you've been through and apply them to next decisions. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of uh, messages um, when we talk to guys just in and around the podcast about agents and you, we've spoken about it a few times in this. I mean, what has your experience been overall in terms of getting contracts, learning about agents, and then, you know, finding your own way with or without them? So my first three and a half years, I had an agent. Um, and I would say, like, your, my first two years, he didn't really have to do anything. I mean, I had just put in four years of work at VCU. Um, and my coach there had helped me. Dave Gifford had helped me kind of get my foot in that door um, with Kansas city, with Portland, with a couple of other opportunities throughout my time in uh, college. So that by the time I was done, I had a feeling that I was probably going to end up at three or four places. Yeah. The whole Dallas thing came out of nowhere because honestly, I don't even know how to this day, I don't really know what happened. All of a sudden I thought I'm getting (laughs) to Kansas city. All of a sudden Dallas calls my name. I call my agent. He says, yeah, they decided to pick you. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Looks like I'm going there. Um, but just in, yeah, I think for me, agents are what they make of them themselves. You know, is it somebody that you can trust? Is it somebody that has the same type of uh, map that you do? And sometimes mm-hmm. those things don't add up. Like for me, I would say I was, my agent was always able to get me the dollars and the cents, but was never really the next step that I should have taken. Mm. You know, it wasn't always the right team, especially after the Ottawa thing. And that's, I, I did Ottawa kind of like through my own personal relationship again with the coach that I had my rookie year. Um, and then Pittsburgh happened through my agent. And I just don't think it was really like the right next step think mm. you know there could have been some other teams and some other opportunities that would have been a better fit for just one my playing style and two like who I am as a person as a player and so for the past couple of years I've just been acting as my own agent having you know a couple of years under my belt a little bit of more of an extensive network and been able to apply those relationships to get contracts the past couple of years um where you know, it is maybe a little bit tougher, but then again, like, you know, you're not, you're not calling your agent Monday 
and then you're not hearing from them till Thursday, Friday, sometimes maybe even the next week. So at least then for me, I knew it was on me to get those next opportunities. And if, and if it didn't work, it was because I didn't work hard enough. It wasn't because I put my trust into somebody who maybe, you know, didn't really always have my back. And, you know, I was with a bigger agency where I was a small fish in a massive pond. So like, no, I wasn't bringing in extensive dollars to the agency. So what is kind of, where did why where do I fit in all this? And the answer was that I probably didn't. So I kind of stuck on to that for, you know, maybe a year longer than I should have, but I ended up learning some valuable lessons in terms of, you know, how to approach situations as a player and as an agent as well for, on working on behalf of myself. All right. Which ultimately will help you down the road in your career um, because it is finding that balance between should I trust this person? What do they want from me? Number one, why yeah. are they helping me? There mm -hmm. are, there are people that help you like our agent. He, he's just a good person and he has yeah. a long-term vision and he's mm -hmm. not, he doesn't want anything financially now, but he's doing yeah. it for the right reasons. And then I know people that they get hit by an agent on Instagram and yeah. they help him and they get them mm -hmm. successfully to a team and they don't want anything. And you wonder yeah. why is this person doing this? And then you have the other side where oh, they're yeah, doing yeah. it just to get money. Just to sign yeah, a contract, yeah. they don't care what team it is. They just want to sign you so they can get them money. Yeah. They can get money from the club, and yeah. being able to figure out, you know, the snakes in that in that that mm -hmm. pond is is unfortunately you have to do it through experience. Yeah, you have to do it through experience. I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with David Harris. He's from Long Island. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. 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 Like, dude, that's he helped me get probably my last two contracts. Like he's one of he those just, guys that we're talking dude, about. I was, just love the I was game. Scrolling through Instagram one day, I was just going through like, and I was like, "Oh, let me just check. Why do I have like requests on, in my DMs?" And it was just a message from David Harris. Hey, haven't seen your name on the USL fan page signing yet. Do you have a team yet? And I was just like, "No, I don't. I'm working on it right now." He said, "Hey, why don't you give John Gallus a call at, Tuc at Tucson?" I said, "Sure." Why not? <laughs> a month later, I'm in Tucson. So, like these things, like, like you said, like, uh, it it's there's people out there that you know care for one, like the grassroots of the game, and you could tell he's an individual mm -hmm. that's like that. He's looking to help guys from his area live their dream and do their thing. So, you know, that that to me is like that's an incredible individual. And then, All like right. you said, you got agents who, you know, don't really care about what your next step is and just are looking to get that easy buck that they're going to make off of you. And that's what you got to realize, kind of what these agents are, is that, like, they're working for you. And I don't think mm -hmm. I really realized that until kind of I was done with my agent then, that he worked for me, not the other way around. It's so funny that you brought up Harris, though I, I love that yeah. Jake Jake Keegan calls him his uh, his advocate. Yeah, we've, yeah we've, his advocate. He's not, he's never an agent. He doesn't like the nope. title, but he's he's there to help. And I think those yeah. are the people you can. I mean, it's not you're not always going to find those people. I think those you know they're diamonds in the rough. Really, those oh, people 100%. who truly just want to help players find and get their dream. Those are the players or the people. I mean, that if you can get in your in your network somehow, it's just amazing people 
Oh yeah. I like he he's been like you said, a diamond in the rough. He's been an absolute diamond for me the past couple of years. So I'm very grateful for his direct message on Instagram for sure. <laughs> yeah. What a slide. What a yeah, slide what a in slide. the hands that was. Yeah. Uh, head first. <laughs> Amazing. Um just one other event in your in your in your career. I don't think we got to talk about too much was that USL Cup final. I think you mentioned yeah. it before. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, making it to something like that. Walk us through that experience. Yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting run up to it. We had played Phoenix in the first round and we got rained out halfway through the game, so we had to start the second half of the game that next day at like 11 a.m. And we ended up going to PKs. It was, well, that was a wild, wild 24 hours. Um, I'd say having home field advantage was probably our biggest, like, strength going into the playoffs. Like, we ended up managing to have all three playoff games at home. You know, we were a four seed, but the one, two, and three had all lost before us. So we ended up hosting all the way through. So it made things for us, like, we were able to get in a great groove. Win the game Saturday, off Sunday, regen Monday, train throughout the week, no travel, focused. You're in bed at home, not really worrying about travel. What, you know, the, you know, people have different dietary restrictions, do things differently on the road than compared to home. So being that in that comfortable situation at home for three and a half, four weeks was, I think, one of the biggest things that set us up to have success. And then, yeah, going into Louisville, we uh, think there was like 16,000 people there, micro pitch because they were still playing on the baseball field at the time. And yeah, I just remember like the first five minutes of the game, I was like, wow, it is so loud. I can I can't even hear anything. And that was probably the first time where I was like, wow, this is this is professional soccer. This is where, Hell yeah. you know, this is this is the stuff you dream of. This is these are the moments that you want. And Unfortunately, we didn't come out with the result that night. Little 90th minute game winner from Cameron Lancaster, kind of put that dagger in the heart. But mm. yeah, what an experience, man! I think that to this day has probably been my uh, that little stretch of games. I've been, I know, probably my my biggest memory, my best memory from football. This, uh, yeah, throughout these six years so far. Awesome. And a, a last thing I want to touch on before we wrap it up is. You've been tactically able to play in many positions uh, on different teams and different styles under different coaches. Yeah. Um, how have you been able to do this? And um, how do you think it's helped the success of your career thus far? I think it's been probably like it's it's what makes me, I think, that's one thing that separates myself from the rest of the guys that might be gunning for a center back position or a defensive mid position or an outside back position is that, you know, Signing me, you can get all three. Um, my versatility has been something I've always prided myself on. Even like in school, I've played a bunch of different positions, which I think set me up for having this ability and this mentality to, I've always thought about it as I'm just going to play football just in this little area of the field. Okay, now I just have to play football a little bit higher up in this little area in the field. Um, I don't think many of the things, yeah, there's, you know, different nuances of, the positions that are uh, that are maybe easier to learn when you're in that position for an extended period of time. 
but at this at the end of the day i've just always thought about it as i just have to go play my game in this area of the field um i think when you overthink the position and you overthink what the coach is thinking putting you there why is he putting you there why isn't he putting me here you find yourself drowning already before the game's even started um so i think being able to just uh separate the those feelings and those emotions from playing the actual position has been probably like super beneficial for my uh success great insight for young players out there i think that's yeah hey, perfect play place. as many positions as you can like yeah, yeah. it's only gonna make you better it's only gonna help mm-hmm. you see the game from a different perspective you know playing center back what do what do i need as a center back from a defensive midfielder oh what would i want what like what would i want to be doing there so you're able to see it from both sides you know like Mm -hmm. i think it helps your game i really do yeah i think it helps your game tremendously and young players should be playing a bunch of different positions you shouldn't be 11 years old saying i'm a winger and i'm only a winger because couldn't agree more there's only two wingers on the field yeah yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's and I think the the I love that point. Um, uh, it's like position. I don't know if this is a term, but I might try and coin it. Is like positional empathy. You yeah. know exactly as a center back, like you just said, what does my six want? You know because you've been in that position as a center back, vice versa, yeah. to know where I should be or where he should be. Yeah. No, I, I like I said, I positional empathy. I love that. You should coin that. Yeah, we're, coin taking, that. we're taking that one. That is a good one. It's coined on this one. Taking that to it's the coined. bank. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to put it. So before we head into our uh, fast feet round, we talk a lot on this podcast about not necessarily having an end goal, but more to have a direction because that will lead you to the place. Yeah. I mean, however you want to look at it, that you're supposed to be or can reach. So for us, Sean and Sean and I, for example, our direction has always been, can we be the best soccer players and I guess humans or teammates that we can be? And then mm-hmm. that'll bring us to a place that, you know, we never thought was possible. Yeah. So for you, what is your direction, you know, after all these years in the USL and, you know, I guess, where are you now and where do you want to go? Uh, I, I see myself now here with the Richmond kickers, um, doing a lot for the city and for the club because I do have a lot of uh, love for the city and the club. Um, you know, being back, like I said, in a city that I'm comfortable in has been amazing. And it's something that I want to just reciprocate back to the city of welcoming, welcoming me back with open arms. Um, my direction is I, I see things growing here in America very rapidly over the next five, six years. So if I'm able to continue down this process and, you know, do some things off the field to help myself uh, become hopefully maybe somebody that works in the front office of one of these, you know, upcoming new clubs, I think that's uh, something that I would like to really uh, participate in in the future. And just trying to do things now to set myself up to uh, hopefully achieve that success in the future. Amazing. It's brilliant. 
So with that, let's get right into this this fast feet round, which with Dylan Neal, shout out Dylan, it was as slow as could be, but there was good reason <laughs> for it. He had great stories to bring in. <laughs> so your favorite player growing up and now? Um, I'd say Ronaldinho growing up. Now I'd probably say I'll say Van Dyke. Crazy, you can you can see how the positional yeah. Uh, yeah. empathy really came into that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just because I've to... gotten older, I've moved back. Back. And yeah, back. I mean, this always happens. Happens yeah. to us all. Um, favorite favorite moment in football so far or soccer thus far? Um, I'd say winning the Western Conference Final. That going, we went eleven rounds of PKs. Our goalie had to make a save and then put it in. So yeah, that was just yeah, crazy madness, madness for anybody. Most difficult moment? Uh, probably that off season after my second year, I had just done uh, had a rectus abdominis surgery, um, so I was out. I wasn't really even able to go to like trials in December and January. I kind of had was just kind of like floating in limbo, you know, waiting on what agents were going to say, and you know. You see the stats. It's like the average American uh, soccer career is like two point three years at the time, or something like that. So I was like, "Wow, really? Like, I'm about to just fall into that real quick." <laughs> oh shit! Another so, statistic. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that was probably like that was that was a tough time period for sure. Best advice you ever received? Best advice I ever received is. Just keep going, probably. I think that's one thing that my dad has always taught me. Like, you just have to keep going. Put your head down, dig deep, and you'll figure out a way. The only way you don't do it is if you stop. Yeah, love that. Favorite place you've lived? Ottawa, Canada. Wow. Nice. I like that. And why is that? Oh, man, I was just like, I was two blocks away from Parliament. The whole city is just, it's like built on being able to walk everywhere um sounds so very really, european in a way yeah like it, it kind of was it, it, had, it had a little bit of that to it i'd say montreal okay. was like like definitely european i, I got when okay. i went to go visit there just with my girlfriend on the weekend i was like this is this is europe um <laughs> but yeah ottawa was, was a brilliant city clean city smart people i mean it was, it's a government city so like out of two blocks away from Parliament, everything was walkable and food was incredible. Amazing. That's wow. added to the list. I yeah. it's one of the things I think is underrated in general is Canada, just in terms I know. of traveling. That, I man, I went underrated. I went up there as one of those people like, nah, Canada, like what are we doing here? Yeah, like, I've been here. I mean, like I'm I don't I'm not here, but I'm so close to the border. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. And just the just the snow, holy snowed May first. And I was like, Yeah, this is craziness. Oh. <laughs> that might be yeah um best player you played against and with against drugba with oh shit yeah yeah um with i would say i'd go with lebo Maloto. he plays uh for tulsa right now and i'd say when he was he kind of played as like an attacking mid false nine for us my rookie year at swope and my guy could just do anything with the ball. Like he was nice. just 
so saucy. I just passing the ball to him from center back. I was like, I could miss him by five feet, and he was just making it happen. Yeah. Just put it in his direction. So, He'll do yeah, something. Like one of those guys that just makes everybody yeah. so much better. Yeah. And as a rookie, it was definitely something that I was fortunate to have. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Mm, you know, I was thinking about this this weekend, actually. I was like, what would I be? Um, I don't know. I'd probably be doing something like in business or something like that. Maybe, I don't know. I, I day trade right now just for, you know, my own fun and as a little hobby. So maybe something like that. Favorite book? Ooh, favorite book? I'd say The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Any quote that you live by? Um, I don't have a quote that I necessarily live by, but I definitely have one that recently over this past year has definitely like resonated with me a little bit more. And I'll pull that out real quick. Yes, love that. Yeah. It's from uh the movie Dune. I see Sean, you yeah. have it right there. Yes, uh, this yeah. is actually Dylan's book great on book, great movie. Only in the beginning of it, but Dylan had very high recommendations on it. Yeah, I have to read the book. I watched the movie and I was just like, yeah, this is going to be an incredible series. So, yeah, um, yeah, just the, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Wow. Wow. That is deep. That's the, you know that there was a writer who, after he wrote that, he was like, Yeah, he said, I, I, I got to drop water on the pen. Like, it was on fire. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> so it's I, like, I I'm me, so that, good. Yeah. I think for me, that's been like, that's the background on my phone right now. I look at that before games and stuff like that. So I think, you know, letting go of that and that little fear and that little anxiety, uh, you can get rid of that then you really realize that you're playing a game that you love to play and just go out there and do it for 90 minutes. Amazing. Right. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. I think Dakota, yeah. if you had a mic, you could drop it right there. I'd Perfect to. ending to there. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for yeah. coming on, Dakota. It was a pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure talking. I'm uh, I'm looking forward actually to round two to see, yeah, the next few years where, where your career ends up. Maybe it is in Europe. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe. it is. Or maybe I'm a Richmond icon. Who knows? Yeah, that or that too. Yeah, the statue in Richmond. <laughs> yeah. We already got the back-to-back MVP here. And hopefully, they built him a statue or something. But yeah, know, maybe a little and small. Next, maybe like picking him up or something. Yeah, at least a bobblehead or something. <laughs> yeah. Something. I gotta, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta at least get like a bobblehead night or something. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the next goal. Sky's the limit, though. Sky's yeah. the limit. Sky's the limit. Exactly. But I'll settle for bobbleheads. Yeah. I'll settle for bobbleheads. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'll settle for one. Dakota, yeah, thank you so much. Like Sean said, I think uh, the path is far from over, so I can't wait for for round two. We'll be we'll be watching. We'll be you know looking at the updates and everything, and make sure everyone out there follows Richmond this year, and hopefully yep. uh, they pick up some silverware. I know uh, our yeah. boy Keegan over at Greenville is going going to be battling to too. So yeah. hopefully, from from podcast standpoint, selfishly. If we can get a final with you two in there, oh, it would man, just work be... wonders for the brand. The footwork, Darby. Oh, it would be great. That would be incredible. I would love that. That would be a great final. Thanks, Dakota. Yeah, I really appreciate it again. Thank you, guys. Another episode, episode 101.
which is uh crazy to think about. I mean, it's been more than that, but in terms of guest, yeah, it's uh it's amazing to have him on. Uh he's had an awesome career thus far. Cool that he's yeah, he's kind of made his 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 way throughout USL Championship and USL League One, which is interesting. Um because he's jumped around, you know, I think it's five different teams, right? Yep. Six seasons and yeah, he's gained a lot of experience and kind of knows the ins and outs about how it works. And yeah, to hear hear some insight from him is great because you and I kind of are on the outside of it, trying to learn from from friends we have. But yeah, the daily life and all the ins and outs of how clubs are run. I mean, it's uh, it's new and it's growing. And it's great to see. I mm-hmm. hope when when we go back one day and play it, it'll be even better than it is now, which I think it will be. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, there's a few main talking points that I took from that, and I really liked his uh, his um, yeah his viewpoint, I guess, on these things was the agents. I thought it was really really something that a lot of young guys can take from this whole cloud over agents and do I need them? Do I trust them? There is no yes or no answer. There's just factions that go into it, and you have to make the best educated decision you can, I guess. Um, another one was fear. I like how we ended with that one too, just kind of. I guess trying to take this whole this this whole freaking power of fear away from our decision making, our day to day, not overcomplicating everything because it's not not that big of a deal, you know, and not letting fear dictate these things. That was one. That was another one. Um, I really like his work and his ideas of how to make the leagues and football in America better for the next generation. I think more people who have these viewpoints like him and are willing to put in the work, not just sit behind Twitter and say that, you know, some things need to change in U.S. soccer, but he's there, he's doing it, he's living it. He's lived through contracts and situations and it, and only trying to make it better for the next generation. And I love that. And I applaud that. And yeah, I think, I think um, a lot of things for guys to take from this episode. It was, it was nice to, uh, see all these strong Island guys, you know, and their success and, you know, from balling with them and, and some summer leagues with you guys and out in Massapequa. But regardless of the fact of, you know, we've had a lot of strong Island guys on this, this is a hotbed, hot, is that the word hotbed, hot you know, bed, or yeah. like mm-hmm. hotbed of, of talent. And it's, it's cool to see where these guys go. Um, yeah. One-on-one it's all downhill from here, I guess. Um, no, no, we'll no. see you guys. No, I'm just kidding. We'll see you guys at uh, at 200. And yeah. thanks to Dakota again. Watch out for the Richmond Kickers and their season this year. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Subscribe. All those good things. The free support always is 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 helping. Sign up for the newsletter too. Sign up for a consultation. All these things are freaking free. So um, freaking free. Yeah, help us out, yeah. and we'll help you out with some great content. Sounds like a good trade. Exactly. So until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning, and make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos 
Those are great. But more importantly, amazing content for any dream chasers out there. Plug, plug, pass. Tell your friends, your enemies, your mother, your brother, your sister, your pastor. It doesn't matter who. Tell the mailman, your dog, anybody that can listen. Like, subscribe, review, because all of that helps while you're there. We'll take whatever we can get to join the club. Join the club. He messed me up. I mean, he can just, he can just mash it together. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>